Hello and welcome to Vaccine 15, which is a weekly mini-series covering key topics about vaccines in 15 minutes or less, brought to you by Biopod here at the University of Edinburgh. Today's episode is about vaccines and more importantly, how can you make a lot of vaccines quickly and in mass? Um, and to discuss this, we're talking to Dr. Pranavora here at the University of Edinburgh. Hello, Prerna, it's great to have you on. Hi, Liz, it's really nice to meet you too. Thank you very much for having me. Brilliant. So our first question is just very standard. Um, what's, what's your preference, tea or coffee? What gets you through the day? Oh, uh, I'm a tea in the morning and coffee in the afternoon person. So a little bit of both is what I need. That's the opposite from what I do. I do coffee in the morning and tea in the afternoon. Let's talk about vaccines here. So uh, to get into the more technical details, what is a vaccine made out of? So vaccines are made out of parts of infectious agents. So this can be either a virus or a bacterium, but it's the parts of these viruses or bacteria that elicit an immune response. So if you naturally had an infection with a virus or a bacterium, these are the parts of these infectious agents that your body would recognize and make an immune response against. So these are generally proteins, but they can also be sugars. And of course, we've heard a lot about the spike protein of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. So we know all about proteins being made and used as antigens in vaccines. But we also have mRNA vaccines now. So the mRNA vaccines and DNA vaccines are vaccines in which we don't introduce the part of the infectious agent, but we introduce the blueprint to make that part into our cells. So what we're doing here is introducing into our own cells the DNA or the RNA that codes for these proteins that we want expressed. So that's really the main ingredient of a vaccine, the antigen. But of course, there are other things that go into vaccines. So as you can imagine, once we make our proteins or our mRNA or DNA, it needs to be maintained stably. So there are stabilizers that are introduced into vaccine preparations to make sure that, you know, these nanochemical reactions that degrade the vaccine antigens and there are also preservatives. So just like food, we want to make sure that our vaccines, you know, stay uh, stable and don't have any contamination. And that's really important because these are things that are injected into our bodies, of course. And another really important component of a vaccine is the adjuvant. Now, adjuvants uh, such as alum are used in several vaccine preparations. And the role of an adjuvant is really to make sure that there is a robust immune response generated against the vaccine. So a vaccine is really made up of several different things that all need to be combined in the right amount to generate the right immune response. Okay, and just as a follow-up, how does how do these adjuvants manage to to encourage the body to produce an immune response? So adjuvants can either uh, make sure that the vaccine sort of lingers at the site of injection for a bit longer than it normally would to make sure that there's a robust local immune response. So all your immune cells know that, you know, there's this agent that is sort of stuck in your arm for a little bit. And that clearly doesn't happen in, you know, during natural infection. So all your immune cells come to this agent that is stuck there and they generate an immune response against this antigen. But adjuvants can also directly stimulate immune cells to make sure that they generate a more robust reaction than they normally would. So they're really, they're really important to enhance the immune response that you would get. 
So with a lot of these antigens under normal infection circumstances, you might get a strong immune response. But in a vaccine, when these are introduced at higher concentrations than normal anyway, in the presence of an antigen, your immune response is much greater. Great. And now we know what is in a vaccine, but the question is then, how do you make a vaccine? So making a vaccine really depends on the kind of vaccine that we are making. So there are different kinds of vaccines. You can have uh, vaccines that contain the entire infectious agent, so the virus or the bacterium in an inactivated or a killed form. Or you can have attenuated vaccines, which are the infectious agent uh, that has been weakened in the laboratory to make sure that it still generates an immune response but doesn't give you disease. Or you can have subunit vaccines, which are vaccines that contain just the purified antigen from these agents. And of course, you can have vectored vaccines as well. So these are where you take this particular antigen and make sure that it is produced by an agent that is safe. So the AstraZeneca vaccine, for example, it has the spike protein of SARS-CoV-2 that is put on the surface of a CHADOX1 vector, an adenovirus vector that you know, we know is safe. So depending on what kind of vaccine you want to make, you need to adjust the processes accordingly. So if you want to make a whole uh, virus vaccine, then you need to have, of course, the appropriate immortal cell line in which the virus will replicate so that you get lots of viral particles. For bacteria, you need to grow them in the right nutrient conditions, so in the right medium, at the right temperature, so that they're producing you know, the antigens on their surface as they would produce in your body. For recombinant vaccines, you need to make sure that whether you're producing them in um, bacterial cells or eukaryotic cells, that those cells are maintained at the right conditions to produce vast amounts of those recombinant proteins. And similarly with, uh, you know, the vectored vaccines, you just need to make sure that you have the right facilities to grow large amounts of um, your cells in which your vaccine is being produced. So in the lab, we routinely do this, you know, in small uh, volumes. So you can grow up like 100 mil of bacteria and you can extract proteins from them to make your subunit vaccines. But of course, uh, when you need to, you know, vaccinate a large population or in the case of COVID, the entire world, you need lots and lots of vaccine which means that you really need to make these vaccines in these massive manufacturing units, which a lot of vaccine companies and pharmaceutical companies obviously have. So the processes remain the same, but they are scaled up thousands of fold to make sure that you can make large amounts of doses. So how do you scale up such a process? What do you need to to mass produce a vaccine? So it's really tricky actually to scale some processes up because you obviously in the lab you understand the fundamentals you you optimize the right conditions you know to grow your cell lines or your bacteria and you robustly quality control for every step to make sure you're getting your subunit vaccines at the right concentrations and the right yields as well and then to scale them up you need to obviously adjust all your calculations to make sure that the conditions remain exactly the same so it's like, you know, when you're, when you're, say you're making lasagna for two people and you now need to make it for 10 people, but it needs to be exactly the same. It needs to taste the same. The consistency needs to be the same. You have to adjust your recipe, but also sometimes the timing or, you know, the size of dish you use. 
So it's a very controlled and calculated process. And um, since vaccines have been made for decades now, obviously this information exists in the industry and people know how to scale things up. But another really important thing to make sure is that you continuously monitor vaccine production to make sure that what you expect to happen at a larger scale is in fact happening. So for several vaccines, it's in some companies choose instead of, you know, to scale up directly from say 200 liters to 2000 liters is instead of transferring to a bigger fermenter in which the vaccines are made. Instead of doing that, they choose to buy a couple of other 200 liter fermenters to make sure that the process is exactly the same, but they can make the amount of vaccine that is required of them. So it's not always as easy as just using a bigger beaker? No, it's not. Definitely not. <laughs> so where, where are the majority of vaccines being made then, if you need such a, such a big construction around it? So uh, there are, thankfully, a lot of companies that have been involved in vaccine production for several years now. So we know the big names like, you know, GSK and Janssen. And there are companies like Bharat Biotech in India that have manufacturing facilities and the Serum Institute as well. So um, there is a lot of manufacturing all over the globe. And of course, as you can imagine, it's more sort of common in the industrialized world compared to the developing world. Uh, but hopefully that will change now, especially given, you know, the pandemic and the need for vaccines to be produced locally and globally. Okay, thank you very much. So this was a great, great conversation with uh, Dr. Pranavora here. We learned what is included in a vaccine. We learned what the individual components do. And we even heard how vaccine produ production is not unsimilar as making a big lasagna. So... <laughs> Thank you very much for coming to talk to us, Dr. Pranavora. Thank you very much for having me. And thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to look us up on Twitter at Biopod Edinburgh and subscribe to the Biopod podcast on your platform of choice. Bye. Bye.